Just the background stress of not knowing what is around the corner. I think that's the, that's the big thing. You're just reacting. And really, as I say, the first week straight away we did something. You just kind of, I guess you're fighting to stay alive. You're fighting to, you know, to get your business doing something to come through. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Restaurants in regional towns have experienced the best and worst of times. With the shift to takeaway during the initial lockdown not viable, they realised the lack of tourist trade could also mark the end of their livelihood. But as society began to open up, consumers jumped in the car and flooded regional towns to shake off the cobwebs of isolation. With business now booming in the regions, what are the concerns and issues moving forward for these often small family-run businesses? Sonia Gregg is the co-owner of South on Albany in the New South Wales regional town of Berrie. Sonia, how are you going? I'm really well. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining us. You've had a pretty turbulent couple of months like many in the industry. Um, what's it like in Berry at the moment? Um, it's actually um, surprisingly busy. Well, no, I mean, I think everybody wants to go out again, don't they? So um, as soon as restrictions were even talked about being lifted, it felt like people were visiting even just on a day trip sort of a basis in terms of how busy town feels. So, and now that people can travel within New South Wales, but not um, outside of the state, um, it's incredibly busy with lots of people visiting on the weekend and during the week as well. And then importantly for us, because um, we're very supported by locals and people that have got a house in the area that visit regularly, um, you know, those people all want to um, be down at their houses and go out for dinner as well. <laughs> How does it feel being busy? You've gone through the stages of being locked down and reopening and then trying to get customers in and now the town is flooded. How do you feel given that the pandemic is still actually on at the moment? I guess, um, I mean, we're in the business of hospitality. So there's many times where I feel actually a bit stifled because our job is to feed and water people and help them to have a brilliant time. And we just haven't got the capacity to do the number of people that would like to join us. So I think it's just really hard saying no. That's my biggest challenge is actually having to tell people that we can't accommodate them. That's because um, we're just a tiny restaurant anyway. And then like most cafes, restaurants and shops, it's probably about a third what is your normal capacity at the moment. So we're doing two sittings. Um, but yeah, it's not, um, yeah, it's just hard when you can't fit in people that are wanting to celebrate or have a special, um, lunch or dinner out. What was the initial stages, uh, when the government handed down the mandatory shutdown of the industry back in the end of March? Um, what was the impact on you guys? Um, well, we, um, kept trading until that Sunday night, I think it was, that it came, um, through that that was it. You could only do um, food to take home if you could. So we had been quite busy leading up to that because I think people knew that it was coming, probably more than we realised it was coming because um, lots of locals were really coming out for a really, you know, special dinner weeknights or whatever and kind of going for it on the wines and stuff like that. So um, and I had just changed the wine list and just making even more of a focus on New South Wales and Canberra wines and kind of stupidly had ordered a lot of wine just the week, not the week before, maybe a week and a half before, but just in my mind, I just couldn't, 
I knew so. I knew it. Obviously, we knew it was unfolding, but it just was quite a shock still, really. Um, so we just went home and thought, well, we could still do something. So we we did do food to take home starting right from the following Wednesday. Um, so John and I just came up with a few ideas and got cooking. Yeah. And what was the uh, response to this sort of take home model that you created? Um, well, we started off slowly, in a sense, um, you know, just with a couple of dishes and the response was really good because we do have quite a good um, database of people because we change our menu every week. So we email that out every Monday afternoon to people. So all those people were already there. Um, so, yeah, the response was really good. And then just after the first couple of weeks, maybe then Easter was upon us. And so we thought, oh, we better add some oysters. You know, we want to support our oyster guy. Let's add some cheese because the Pines cheese, you know, they need to move all this stuff. Um, they're in Clammer Downs. So we just made ourselves even busier, I think. And, um, and we're such a basic restaurant like this. It would be laughable to some operators, but we we use paper dockets still. And yes, we have a cash register, but at the end of the day, John likes to read a docket. He likes to be able to see the dietaries. He doesn't like, you know, a ticket that's a metre long hanging off his check rail. So the first few weeks were just demented because I was answering the phone, taking orders, writing up the orders, taking the credit card number, um, and then obviously, because lots of these people are our regulars, just, they just, I go, well, how are you going? And then I'd have to have a bit of a chat about how they're going and how I'm going. <laughs> and, you know, John's in the background going, I think you might need to just try and make those conversations a bit shorter. And <laughs> so, yeah, but, um, and then, I mean, yeah, probably about four weeks into it, I managed to get some point of sale and all the online ordering happening. So that was a real change as well. <laughs> You mentioned that uh, how important the local community is to your restaurant, even though Berry is a real destination, especially from for people from Sydney or Canberra. Uh, how important have they been during this time, and did that help you get through that period? Oh, just invaluable! Like absolutely across um, our take home food probably 70% of the orders were locals that maybe would come to the restaurant once a month, maybe once every two months. Maybe there's a couple of people that come every couple of weeks. But um, they literally ordered food every week. And so there was one point with the website and updating, you know, what the food to take home was this week and our web guy was helping me just tweak something. And he was like, Sonny, can I just ask, why do you change the menu every week like this just seems ridiculous could you rethink some of these elements I was like it's just what we do it's what we've done you know since we have become a set menu last December like it's what we do and I said literally people are ordering every week so if we don't change it like that's what they're looking for they're looking for what's new this week so but yes yeah, just what we it's just what we do I don't know yep <laughs> You mentioned uh, in December that you changed to a set menu model. Can you tell us what that is and has that changed during the pandemic with the limited numbers that you have? Um, so we changed to a set three-course menu um, with a set price um, and what led to that was John had always quite, he'd kind of been talking about it for about a year that, you know, he'd always had a dream that he could have a restaurant that was just him in the kitchen. And I think at the time when we would have these chats about this idea I really felt like that was a whole new product. I didn't think it was something that we could make South on Albany just become. Um, so like we kind of half talked about it, but then we just had in um, November just pretty much what you would call a perfect storm of 
like chef staffing dramas and we found ourselves, you know, one person down, we'd sort of pulled lots of favours from chefs that have worked for us before because we've been there for seven years now. Um, and then someone else had a health problem, I think it was. And anyway, so just suddenly we were like, you know what, we actually can't staff next week in the kitchen. Um, so we kind of had like a bit of a meltdown, but then we just put our thinking caps on um, and also we'd been inspired by some other friends um, down in Pambula, Hugh and Renee, that have Banksia Restaurant and they had um, opened their restaurant after they'd had um, their little boy with that format. So that made us feel good that it was something that was achievable within a small room and because our kitchen is a shoebox as well. So, yeah, so, and, yeah, as I say, John had always talked about these ideas he'd had. He's got a friend, um, Mark Wilkinson, in the UK that's got a tiny restaurant that's in what was his father's um, house at one point. So, yeah, I, but it's still the food that we've always done. Um, so there's an entree main and a dessert. Um, it's not like we changed the restaurant into you know, serving eight small courses and change the, the vibe completely. Yeah, so it's been well received by everybody. We've pretty much been fully booked since we swapped to it in December. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's working well and thank goodness that we did kind of swap to that because now with the limited numbers we can still make, make an, an okay revenue um, across, you know, the four square metre rule. <laughs> yep. You mentioned a bit earlier that you've been there for seven years now, and I think you celebrated seventh, your seventh birthday during the pandemic. Uh, what was that like, and and why did you start a regional restaurant in Berry seven years ago? Um, well, we moved down to the south coast ten years ago, and we actually bought a house in Vincentia. And at the time when we bought it, when we were in Sydney, we honestly didn't think that we would move for you know years we just it just felt like a better thing to do with our money when we were looking for a tiny flat or something in Sydney so but a year after buying it we thought let's just give it a burl so we moved down here and John worked at a couple of other places but we always had been keeping an eye out for you know an empty restaurant or someone selling a restaurant and then this space came up in Berry, but it's truly tiny. It was a deli um, and it's just kind of a shop. But um, my dad's a retired architect, so he came in with John and I and pasted it all out and pretty much, I think, talked John into the fact that the kitchen could be workable. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we had always wanted to work for ourselves. We've worked really hard for other people across the years together or separately. Um, and yeah, so I guess it was our dream to, you know, just completely do our own thing. Has regional dining changed a lot in the last seven years? I mean, I think that there's more restaurants. So I think there's more of a spread of restaurants at the different levels, whereas I, I feel like when you used to travel regionally, there weren't as many places to go. So I think it's more vibrant now. I think there's more people um, giving it a go and definitely, you know, city slickers like us heading, heading to the country here and there. You mentioned that you've got a, a bit of a skeleton crew and it's a pretty small uh, restaurant, but what are the challenges in running a regional restaurant? Um, I mean, every now and then there's supply challenges. So if something you want is meant to be coming from somewhere, I don't know, maybe more I'm thinking of beverages sometimes, that can all go a bit astray. But um, I mean, I don't know, we, we, we love being regional. It's, it's a different ball game do you know what I mean so we really do try and use lots of local 
produce and whether that means dropping by because it's hard to it's hard to link it all together sometimes so just say we're using um, cheese from Cupid's um, down in Ulladulla so it's hard for us within our busy week to pop down and get it they might be driving through to Sydney and they'll drop it off or sometimes we might pick it up from the back veranda beer fridge of their sous chef do you know what I mean? So there's all these little random pickups that you do to try and um, coordinate um, how you're going to get things from A to B or um, the Pines Dairy, um, they do Kayama Farmers Market and even though we're only in Berry, that's not that far away, Wednesday is our big day of prep and our first day that we're open. So they will often, um, you know, grab a couple of things that we need from other people at the Kayama Farmers Market and then drop it off to us when they deliver to us. So there's all these... I guess there's there's a bunch of little favours going on around the place really is how I think about the food getting from the producer to us. How would you describe the restaurant and, and John's cooking? Um, so, I mean, John's classically trained. He grew up in North Wales and he did his apprenticeship at the Chester Grove. And I said that all sounds really formal. But then when he came to Australia, when he was 20, he worked um, with Luke Mangan um, at CBD and for the Merivale Group in the end for eight years. But so his food is classic but it's executed in a way that's really approachable and a little bit lighter in style so always honest flavors and just delivered you know beautifully I don't know and he really is um I don't know he's talented but he's, he's a bit of a quiet one really so he just gets on with it and comes up with some fantastic food every week but um I think that as well that thing where he worked for Merivale when they had Bistro CBD. Um, I think the essence of, of that was, you know, really excellent food, but in a relaxed atmosphere. And that was a pub dining room. But I think that that's where sort of a, what we're sort of about as well, that the food is outstanding. And people are often, people that travel are often surprised to have such great food in this tiny little restaurant, you know, that they've come across in Berry, And then but the, the vibe is the important thing to me, that everyone feels welcome and everybody feels comfortable. Yeah, so that's, what it, that's as much what it's about as well. You mentioned some of the unique connections you have with local producers. Um, what are um, some of the best producers in your areas, area and what is your favourite? Oh, I'm a bit torn. It's getting more challenging. Um, I mean... Well, we don't have that many meat producers in the area because it's really hard for them to make small-scale farming add up. Um, so in a way, there's a lot of dairy happening at the moment, which is exciting. So we've got um, the Pines Dairy in Kayama, just up the road from us. Um, there's Pakora Dairy over in Robertson, which we've used, um, you know, ever since they started as well. We actually get vegetables brought together by... A place in Kangaroo Valley, uh, it's called Terrawa Farm, and what they do is kind of gather things from other very small producers over in the valley and elsewhere. So they'll bring together vegetables, honey, um, you know, beautiful leaves, and all of that um, we discuss early in the week and then that comes to us on a Thursday. The other um, thing that's exciting about our region is wine and how wine's really taken off. So... Yeah, we've got um, Cupid's Winery and then locally Cool and Gadda has always had outstanding wines and especially Semion. So 
that's just natural for us to have lots of those things on the menu. Um, oysters, so we get some oysters from Greenwell Point. We also source oysters from further down the coast because we've got lots of locals that literally have oysters every time they come, so we like to mix it up a little bit. Um, yeah, and there's just, I don't know, it is exciting, the food scene down here, and it, and it is really a part of the, the tourism as well. And often when people come in for lunch or dinner, we're chatting to them about what they might be doing if they're visitors and suggesting places that they could go and how they, you know, might discover a bit more about the region as well. You have uh, a unique sort of talent for food styling as well as working in restaurants and a career going backwards and forwards between the two. Uh, how, how did you get a start in food? Um, so I actually went to art school, but when I was at art school, I worked in restaurants just to pay the way in my 20s, and I really loved it. So when I actually finished art school, I worked um, as a waiter and then travelled to the UK and worked there for a few years as a restaurant manager. Then I came back and was working in restaurants again, <laughs> and I found myself cooking on my days off, you know, or trying to cook the things that the chefs were cooking in the restaurant that I was working at. So it just happened quite naturally. Then one of my friends that was a chef started working um, on, I think, cooking for shoots um, for food food books. And he said, you know, you I reckon you might be able to. It's not service. It's not as full on as being you know, a cook in a restaurant, but you, I reckon you could give it a go. So I actually started just testing recipes at Murdoch Books for different things, Marie Claire, I don't know, this was years ago, probably 20, I don't know, yeah, 15, 20 years ago now. And then I ended up working in magazines for a little while. Um, and then, but really I found my niche more so when we were still in Sydney and I was mixing up working in restaurants and more being a food editor um, for Murdoch Books. So, yeah, just more focusing on helping if, if a chef's writing a book, they're probably a pretty busy person in the first place and just helping them, you know, uh, and testing and making sure their recipes work because you're often reducing what would be a recipe for 40 down to, you know, a recipe for four or six. So that was my real love, just kind of helping chefs and take some of the load off of them um, in what is a very full-on process writing a book. <laughs> this period of time you've had some really quiet times and then real boom with um, tourists back in town as well as locals supporting you. What, what's been some of the challenges that you've had uh, as a really small operator? Um, I think just the – I think the biggest challenge was maybe when we were doing the food to take home because it was actually really hard yakka. Um, it was just quite intense. So we'd, um, yeah, start cooking the food on the Wednesday – um, and then we tried to focus the pickups more on the Friday, Saturday in the end, once we were getting a feel for, you know, how busy it was. And it was quite time consuming to have people picking up, um, for more days than that. Cause that would take me out of the kitchen and be serving people essentially just dropping it to them at the front door. But so we did some incredibly long days. So I think, um, so we'd cook on Wednesday and Thursday and then by late Thursday evening we'd start packaging up whatever the, the mains were, you know, and we did a lot of slow-cooked meat. Thank God it was winter is all I can say because um, I just can't imagine, like, yeah, I can't imagine coming up with excellent summery dishes that would reheat easily because we didn't really have people cooking elements. Maybe when we did confit duck, you know, they had to put it in the oven and keep it separate to everything else. But generally it was really easy um, to pull it all together at home. And and 
as I say, our kitchen is a shoebox, so we've just got a six burner with an oven underneath. So normally on a normal week of the restaurant being open, John might make 10 kilos worth of what are 10 kilos worth of bones for stock but for this stuff he was ordering 50 or 60 kilos and we had all this stock all this slow cooking going on in what is a really small space and yeah and then then just the reality of that small pace a tiny cool room and packaging up these dishes we were there until like 2 30 in the morning people couldn't even believe that we would need to work that hard when the when our regulars were picking up they were like you must be kind of loving this this must be so much easier than running a restaurant. I'm like, not really. <laughs> Just, yeah. So that was, it was actually pretty brutal some of the days, but um, I, we did still enjoy it. I mean, we were just happy to be in a place where we could stay open because lots of our friends with city restaurants or restaurants that are a bit more out of the way regionally, you know, they couldn't necessarily do all these things that we were doing just to keep money ticking over. And, um, yeah, they couldn't do what we were doing just to keep money ticking over and, you know, keep, keep functioning in some format. Um, and then our regulars were so appreciative of the food. I was really missing the contact of having people in the restaurant, you know, you clear a plate, someone sends a compliment back to the kitchen to John or, you know, there was a real lack. That was weird just passing over all this food. But then we did have some gorgeous emails and voice messages and things like that and people dropping off little food presents or wine. Or, so it was kind of lovely. And a lot of our regulars said that it really made their week because I think especially in those first few weeks there was a lot of fear as well and people were getting a bit lonely staying at home. And so, you know, some nice food brought quite a lot of joy, I think. With the situation in Victoria crippling the industry, how do you feel about that and the possibility of that happening again in New South Wales? Oh, it actually terrifies me because I just get worried for everybody, you know. You just can't imagine. Yeah, I mean, we kept going because we, we, we've got money in the bank. We've run our business fairly sensibly. Do you know what I mean? But all it takes is to be closed for a few weeks for, you know, your little backstop to evaporate. So, you know, to literally be shut down or, you know, I hear like stories where, you know, maybe on the first lockdown people were going out and getting food to take home, but this one everyone's taking it that next level of seriously and then, and maybe not popping out to do those things or get those treats. So it does worry me if it happened again for Sydney and New South Wales that, you know, how would we sustain what we do, how would we tick over and then what will be the repercussions for especially the smaller players? I don't know. It, it's it's really scary to think if it kicks off again. Yeah. What about for yourself during this time? It's been pretty stressful and you've had to change your business model numerous times and it's a very small team, but what's the personal toll been on you? Um, I just think just the background stress of not knowing what is around the corner. I think that's the that's the big thing. You're just reacting. And really, as I say, the first week straight away we did something. You're just kind of, I guess you're fighting to stay alive. You're fighting to, you know, to get your business doing something to come through. So I think that has been actually very full on. So, um, but we normally take a couple of weeks off in September um, and we are just going to do that in a couple of weeks' time because 
that's what we normally do. <laughs> we really need a break. So I don't know whether we're just going to stay at home and do some gardening or if things are looking good, <laughs> go on a little trip to some wine country. But regardless of what's going on, I do, as you, as you say, you just do have to stop maybe and think, how am I going? And I definitely need a couple of weeks off and just to put my feet up. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> how about for the restaurant? Has this changed the way that you operate and what you may do in the future with the restaurant? Oh, I mean, because it's literally done in the kitchen. Um, I'm out the front and we have one waiter that works service and then I just cross over in the kitchen here and there washing up or doing whatever. We all wash up, depends what's happening. Um, and I go, to, I go to work with John and um, like I prep pastry. So I don't, I mean, we're such a small, tight operation at the moment. I feel like we could kind of, you know, mould ourselves to anything to try to survive. It's not a crazy rent that we have or anything. So I feel really fortunate of the scale of our business just straight off the bat. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I can't, I can't think through any bad, I don't know, I can't think through any massive negativity just around the corner. I think you've really got to try and stay positive and try and do all the right things and, you know, hope that things will pan out. Yeah. Well, spring is on our doorstep. What's exciting you about the spring menu when you return from your break? Oh, I mean, I was just actually looking through some photos um, and just selecting some different things. I, I just really love it when um, – fruit all starts to happen again and um oh gosh Anthony I don't know if I'm prepared for this question <laughs> um <laughs> spring god I'm still bloody freezing down here um oh, I just got to think for a minute spring <laughs> oh yeah okay I know so yeah for spring I think what's exciting is when um I don't know you get really beautiful vegetables again just really delicate you know, beans and leaves and squash and, yeah, I don't know. I, we always think vegetables first and then what's going to go with that. And then as you head into spring and summer, I think the fruits get a bit more exciting as well. So that's always good for desserts. Yeah. What do you love about the restaurant and having such a small team and um, being so tactile and hands-on? What, what What's the joy that it brings? Um, I think the joy is that we're absolutely – cooking and doing what we want to do every single day, every single week. Um, and then for me personally, what I really enjoy is that, yes, I'm front of house, but then I've always loved cooking. So I love being the person that cooks the desserts. I really, you know what I mean? That really mixes up my week and it's stimulating. It's interesting. And then as well, um, so I do the wine list. So I have been involved in wine in restaurants that I worked in in Sydney, but it's been really great um, across the last seven years to have my own wine list. And when people visit the restaurant, they really do comment that they love how many regional wines that they see on the list because it's easy to move to the country and just write the same list you would write when you're in Sydney. And there's so many great wines out there and so many great international wines, but it's kind of not what we're about. So that's been fun to, to you know, develop that and we we love helping um people that visit and locals as well discover different wineries in our area the southern highlands canberra and then broadly new south wales as well not to say that there aren't some other wines from around the country on there there absolutely are you've got to tick the boxes um you know there's a welsh beer on there for johnny but it's just yeah but we just love 
Yeah, we love celebrating New South Wales and region, other regional towns as well. Yeah. When we're through uh, COVID and on the other side and the industry's back to normal, what, what are you most looking forward to? I think what I'm most looking forward to is hopefully, do you think if this four square metre rule goes away eventually, that the buzz will come back a little bit? Because I think for us at the moment, you know, it's really not that many people in the dining room, but people are loving it. They are loving that intimate dinner out. There are people that just truly think it's the most spectacular thing ever and because it's not as noisy in the dining room either. Um yeah, but, you know, yeah, just to have a full and vibrant room at that moment in the middle of lunch, that will feel pretty special again. And that's not to say that it's not feeling great to go out now, but it's definitely, it's different, isn't it? It's just it's just half the amount of people basically in the room. So, yeah, yeah, that's what will be lovely to feel again, yes. Well, that atmosphere is certainly the lure for so many for restaurants and it's often why many of us go out. Um, Sonia, so good to chat and catch up. Um, really loved having you on Deep in the Weeds. Stay in contact and um, and we'll talk again soon. Absolutely and thank you. And we have really enjoyed listening to all the podcasts, John and I, as we drive to and from work. And I think that um, it has helped connect our industry as well just to hear everybody's story and know that you're not alone <laughs> pretty much. Amazing. Thanks, Sonia. Thanks so much. Take care. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's HOSPO community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well. <laughs>